Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, June 2nd, 2023. Sevilla are now seven-time Europa League champions. We've got the FA Cup final this weekend. The NFL season just, your offseason, continues to progress. And as it goes for about eight months of the year, the MLB season rolls on. Luke, are you excited? Are you happy? I think there's a lot of great stuff going on in sports right now. I'm super happy. Um, the Yankees are proving that they don't need their best players to be a good team. So that's uh, awesome. We have yeah. a pretty big injury list and a, a lot of wins in May. Yeah, it does look like uh, a couple guys are going to be coming back for this weekend series, though. Yeah, yeah, I have read into that a little bit. So, uh, it, it, I mean, you know, you would think that we could only get better, but uh, we are the Yankees, so who knows? Yeah, that's fair. Uh well, let's just, you know, let's not waste any time. Let's get into this MLB recap. I got to start it off with this because, uh, you know, as somebody who is very engulfed in kind of the, the sports media, uh, you know, industry itself, uh, this is super interesting to me. So the Diamond Sports Group, which are the owners of Bally Sports for all of the MLB teams, they are the official partner for just about a, a, a vast majority of the league. Uh, plays their games on Bally Sports, uh, any of their regional com- or channels, and they skipped a payment on the Padres, and this allowed the Padres to get out of their contract with Diamond Sports Group, and now all their games will be picked up by MLB for the rest of the season. And I have a feeling this is going to be kind of the first domino in the entire collapse of Bally Sports because... I think me and you talked about it a little bit before the season started that they were most likely going to file bankruptcy. And it looks like this is kind of the first domino falling. This whole situation is very weird though. Yeah. I'm it, but Hey, you know what? It looks like you might actually be able to, you know, watch all of your team's games. If you have uh, the MLB like streaming service though. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a little caveat there, sir. Oh no. The MLB couldn't possibly ever do anything right by their fans. So, of course, even if you live in the San Diego uh, area or whatever zone uh, you need, I believe it's Bally Sports, like West or Bally Sports something. I can't quite remember what their regional one is. But if you live in the region that gets that, if you already have like an MLB TV every team subscription, so like what, what me and you use, where we can watch every team except the one is in our region, you still can't watch the Padres. You have to buy the one that is for Padres games, which costs an extra, I think, $75 for the rest of the season. <laughs> so just go to the game, basically, if you're local. <laughs> yeah, which, which also... Also, like, you know, through other cable providers, uh, you can watch the games. And then I believe through, like, one of, one of the smaller streaming services, you can as well. But this whole situation just so fucked. And, like, Bally is actively, um, like, in court right now, uh, kind of, I believe, against the MLB and some of their teams, arguing that there's a couple of teams that they don't need to pay their full contract because of like low viewership. That's what they're trying to fight for right now, which is an interesting move by a company that's going bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. But 
yeah, this whole situation is so crazy, but I have a feeling that there's probably going to be a couple more teams, you know, as we go on throughout the summer, uh, that their games just get picked up by MLB. Yeah, I, I could honestly totally see that. Um, hopefully they hopefully they do us right though, as that happens. Yeah, it's not. They're never. They're never going to. I'm accepting it. <laughs> well, I'm gonna keep it with the Padres, but I, I actually I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the game of baseball, not the streaming services of baseball. Fair enough. <laughs> so. Have you ever heard of this kid, uh, Ethan Salas, Grayson? I have. Yeah. He went two for three and scored the go-ahead run in his single-A debut for the Padres organization. I'm keeping it in San Diego. He's 16 years old. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. It, it is absolutely crazy. Um, I feel like, you know, other than baseball and, like, soccer – we don't see things like this. No, not at all. I mean, you may have a uh, NBA player come out of high school, but even, you know, they're not going to be 16 years old. And, yeah. and I feel like that even rarely happens anymore. Yeah, well, it, it, it rarely happens in, in baseball and even in soccer as well. Like, the only other sport I can even think of where guys, you know, really anybody is playing at the highest level or, you know, getting to the highest level at that young of an age is like, tennis like yeah. it is crazy to see a 16 year old playing against arguably a bunch of grown men yeah uh, no you're exactly right and i'm gonna keep it with me grayson sorry it's the luke takeover man i gotta keep it with the young guys i'm in joy for it in fucking joyce man yeah. if you don't know the name go ahead and learn it his yeah. debut with the angels was absolutely electric pitched one inning had two strikeouts he did give up a hit but this kid topped out at 102. And I believe it was 102.6 I mean, to be pre uh, precise. Yeah, so if you want to round up, 103 helps this case even more. I mean, and I know it's fun to meme the Angels because they have Shohei, they have Mike Trout, but they're like a barely 500 team. But as an outsider looking into that organization, it's really cool when they have other guys step up because, I mean, they're. <laughs> I know we've been saying it for years, but they got to be like a couple more steps away from being a playoff contender. They uh, arguably they are one this year. They've looked surprisingly good, and if they stay kind of where they're at right now, I, I have no problem saying that they are you know one of the better teams. Though they're third in the AL West, they're still thirty and twenty-seven, which is very good. Like. I don't think it quite gets them into like a wild card spot at the moment, but uh, I do think that they have a shot uh, right now. Yeah, they're they're three games out of the wild card. The problem really is is that the AL East is just so fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of looking like they're the wild card could be a AL East matchup kind of. Yeah, it, it could. Uh, the Blue Jays are three games out. If the Blue Jays catch up to the Astros, then the Orioles, Yankees, and Blue Jays would all have it. <laughs> That's insane. But let me talk history, because I love talking history when it comes to baseball. Here we go. I'm gonna just let you. I'm gonna let you give this a random guess, but I'm sure you won't have the answer. The Cincinnati Reds, with their win over the Red Sox the other day, got their first series win against the Red Sox since when? 
First series win against the Red Sox? Yes. Since what year? Uh, those are, I think, going to be two older franchises. I don't yep. really know about the Reds, but I'm going to just put them there anyway. Fuck it. Historically. 19, 1903. Okay. Little little too far. But okay. <laughs> their first series win against the Red Sox since the 1975 World Series. Ow. How crazy is that? That the last <laughs> time the, Yeah, the last time the Reds beat the Red Sox was in the World Series in 1975. <laughs> wow. It's been a minute for the Reds, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they they have certainly been uh, held off by their Red counterparts. <laughs> oh man, um, I guess it, it's uh, definitely not history, but um, kind of a cool stat here that I have: Zach Gallen at home. You know that that decent, I guess that that okay pitcher on the Diamondbacks. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. He has a point six six ERA at home. He has four scoreless outings and six starts at Chase Field this year. So, damn! If you're if you're watching a um, uh, a Diamondbacks game in Arizona, expect uh, expect Zach Gallen and the defense to be off the field pretty soon because uh, he's not letting up any runs. Yeah, well, let's keep it with the NL West because uh, there's one team that yeah they're getting it done, but maybe not in the best fashion. The Los Angeles Dodgers last season allowed 10-plus runs in two separate games. That's it, last season. And at this point in the season, they've already done it seven times. Wow. Most recently being the Nationals. Dang. Okay. But they still sit atop their division with... uh, or actually, they they don't. They're tied at the moment with the Diamondbacks. Um, I believe the Diamondbacks have the edge in the head-to-head. But at 34 and 23, you would not assume that they've given up 10 runs seven times. No, that's pretty bizarre. And yeah. uh, I guess you're you're getting that from the uh, their thriller with the Rays on Sunday. What was that, like 11 to 10 final? Yes, it was. <laughs> that's that insane. That series in general was great. Yes. Um, Let's see what else I got here. Uh, Aaron Judge in the month of May, eleven home runs, twenty four RBI, and a one point three seven seven OPS. It's actually if you uh, if you look at where he's at now and compare it to where he was same time last year, which was his MVP season, he's actually a little bit better. And I don't know if you guys can hear this on the podcast, but yes, I am knocking on wood. <laughs> I, I can take anything I can get as a Yankees fan to protect my boys. <laughs> but Aaron Judge looks serious this year, too. I can confirm that they did hear you knocking on wood. Um, but I'll, I'll, awesome. I'll, get, I'll get to Judge when we talk Team of the Month. Uh, I'll just let you know that. But oh. let's talk about <laughs> Twins pitcher Jorge Lopez. He has not been the Lopez that we've talked about so much with the Twins, but you certainly got to talk about this one. So... Just a crazy moment. So he gives up back-to-back home runs. They they have like a 6-0 lead. Okay, He gives up back-to-back home runs. Then he walks a batter. Then he hits a batter. They pull him out of the game, goes to the dugout, and is pissed off. You know, makes sense. Goes to pour water on his head and accidentally pours Gatorade in his hair. <laughs> then pours water on his head and then punches the cooler. 
Like it was the cooler's that fault that it dispensed Gatorade. Dude, in that moment, it was. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The world was I, uh, against him, and that cooler started it. I literally watched that like three hours ago. That was hilarious. Um, I want to go back to the Reds here, and because they have some really cool stuff going on with their youngsters. So on Tuesday, Ellie De La Cruz hit a walk-off home run in the AAA. By the way, if you're listening, Reds, go ahead and call that guy up. He might, you know, help you win some games. Uh, he's yeah. absolutely phenomenal. 20 minutes later, Jose Barreo hit his first career Grand Slam in a 9-8 win over Boston. So, Reds got some youngsters that are, you know, in the offense for him, man. Doing a good job. Oh, yeah, dude. I, the Reds, because of how bad they have been um, for quite some time, have really compiled some fantastic prospects and they've done such a great job of kind of giving them their time. They they definitely aren't a team that just like reaches on a guy, brings him up at the wrong time. They they yeah. let him sit down there, they let him learn. And I know, you know, from what we've seen from Hunter Green this year, record-wise, he's not looking great, but from when you watch him pitch, you understand that he is one of the most talented players in the league. He's one in four, primarily off the back of his team being dog shit, but he's got 80 strikeouts already. He's got a 4.18 ERA, which isn't all that bad. And he's really looked very good. You know, he looks just a sound pitcher, but he has, you know, uh, he can top out at like 105. Uh, it's phenomenal. And yeah, um, LA, LA de, la, de La Cruz has got to come up soon. Oh yeah, he God. does. And I'm actually looking at him now. I didn't realize that he was actually a pretty similar build to O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, yeah. They're both like oversized. Um, shortstop. Pretty fast. Yeah, shortstop. Yeah, very interesting there. But um, so I'm going to talk about a guy that I know you like a lot. And I'm going to talk about Isaiah Kiner Falefa, Mr. Ooh, IKF. Yeah. Util- Said the that super he, utility. Uh, exactly, but I'm about to we're we're about to talk about something he's adding to his game, and that's obviously the offense. So he said that he's revamped his batting approach, and well, shit, he uh, turned in a four hit, four RBI uh, versus the Mariners on Tuesday, which was pretty nice. Another interesting tidbit about him, not about his batting though, he started 24 games in the outfield this season. He's never played that position in the MLB before. He's like 28 years old. Yeah, that's that is crazy. I, I just, I, I, you know, I, I always kind of thought that IKF was more of like your normal utility guy until I really started paying attention to him. He literally could be played anywhere and figure it out and play it at a sound MLB level. It's incredible. Yeah, he's just got the skill to be pretty good just about anywhere on the field. Um, but like you said, the the hitting wasn't quite there uh, early this season. It's really been bad, like very bad early this season. Yeah. But, you know, if he's getting his shit together, he's going to be a very valuable player to any franchise. Yeah, uh, I, and I love IKF. I hope we can keep him around. I think he might be uh, on his last year this season. So definitely a guy I want to see in the pinstripes next season. Yeah, for sure. But I got to talk about this real quick because it's 
mind blowing, honestly. So the Athletics walked it off against the Braves on Tuesday. Uh, that makes their fifth walk off win of the season. Yes, I said fifth of the Athletics season. They're tied with the Yankees for the most walk off wins this season. The weird part is that that was their twelfth win. They have five walk offs in twelve wins. Only only doing it big. Well, I think it's more that they can't score, and then they just end up scoring there at the end. But that is just wild. It's a scheme to get more fans because <laughs> they I, always have the exciting walk-offs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so exciting to go to those Oakland Athletics games, dude. They've got to they've got to turn down the volume on their pitch comms because people can hear it. Oh, I heard that. That's. <laughs> That's just so sad. It really is. And, you know, they they happen to be on the worst start um, in MLB since in like 150 years. So (laughs) pretty cool record to have. Um, Cool is a loose term. (laughs) No, 150 years hadn't been done in a long time. That is true. You and I weren't alive. Correct. We could have been uh, born and dead and born again in that time. Like yes. three times. <laughs> um, this is actually something I, I, I was taking notes on this and I, uh, I realized that I should have been doing this a long time ago, Grayson. I'm going to start my own little new segment on this podcast every time we do MLB recap and I'm going to cover Carlos Rondon's injury progression <laughs> every single time that I'm on the podcast. So every Thursday episode comes out Friday, we're going to be talking about Carlos Rondon because it <sighs> might be a while. Who knows at this point? Yeah, this could be a long-standing segment. Can. So, Carlos Rondon, luckily, luckily has resumed throwing from a bullpen mound. Uh, when the Yankees go West Coast this weekend to play the Dodgers, he's expecting to he's expected to throw twice more from the mound, and that's, that's all I have on him. I, I don't know. I mean, at least he's back in the bullpen on the mound, but there really isn't a time for him to come back anymore. So it's uh, just kind of we're playing it out by year now. <laughs> well, thank you for the Rodon update. I look forward to next week's. Yes. And the next week. I'm sure there the will be weeks. weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Let me talk this because this is a stat like I've never seen. This is a real like in-depth baseball stat. So managerial challenges this season. So obviously a challenge that is uh, asked for by the manager this year in the MLB, the average of them uh, being won by the team that challenges is 45.8%. The Miami Marlins are winning 92.3% of their managerial challenges this season. My God, how many have they done? I don't know how many they've done, but that is absolutely insane. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they have like a guy in the dugout that's just really good at spotting close plays. <laughs> Maybe. I, I really couldn't tell you how that's happening. Maybe they're just getting some real bad umpires uh, and it's making their lives easier with the challenges. But yeah. uh, when I saw that stat, I was floored. So in baseball, I know it's kind of like this in the NFL, or at least I think it is. But like, I know in cases in the NFL, like some players have told their head coaches, like when they go back to the sideline, like, hey, challenge this play, because I I am 100% certain 
in baseball, can they do that? Like tell their manager, like, hey, like you need to challenge this. So, so they can't leave the base and do it. Um, if they can stay on the base and be like, check it. And typically what you can do is you, you'll see one of the manager, like either the manager, or like an assistant coach, he'll get on the phone and essentially talk to their guys that are like watching the game. And they'll be like, should we challenge or should we not? And then if they're like, yeah, then they challenge it. And then it goes to review. But, you know, a player can't leave the base, walk over there and be like, you guys should challenge this. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, but uh, anything else you have for MLB recap? I want to talk uh, May statistical leaders. No, Carlos Rondon's uh, injury saga segment was my last one. Okay. So we'll run through this real quick. So this is everything just in the month of May. Nothing included from April. So our average hit, run, and RBI leader in the month of May is Dodgers first baseman Freddie Freeman, leading an average this month with a 446 hits, 28 runs scored, and 26 RBIs just in a month. You love to see it out of him. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong team. <laughs> yeah. But... um. Our stolen base leader for the month of May, Asturi Ruiz of the Oakland Athletics. He stole 17 bases this month. Dang, how is he how is he even getting on base that much on that team? He just he walks a, a decent amount um and hits a, a decent amount of singles, but he's really just very fast and the leadoff hitter. Gotcha. Is he their best player right now, you think? Uh no. I guess I'd say no. I'd probably say it's either Brent Rooker, who I believe is injured at the moment, or like Ryan Noda. Okay. Uh, gotcha. But uh, also Shea Langoliers has been pretty solid. But uh, oh. home run leaders, it was tied 12, Aaron Judge and Jorge Soler. And then, of course, the walk leader is Juan Soto, because who else would it be? Uh, on base <laughs> percentage, Juan Soto as well. Aaron Judge leads in OPS with that 1356 is what I've got it at here. Um, and then for the pitchers, uh, for the pitchers, ERA leader, uh, Michael Waka, uh, in the month of May, just a 0.72 ERA and then wow. strikeouts who else, but Mr. Spencer Strider, the stash himself, 57 strikeouts this month. I love it. I actually, um, I watched him hit a hundred on Sunday. That was very cool. I, I was kind of waiting on the Braves or like the stadium to do more for him hitting a hundred, but no, it, it was just like any other strikeout. Kind of a bummer. Ah, uh, 300's loading. <laughs> and think then, so? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're, we're literally like exactly a third through the season. So it just works. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, but saves leader, Camilo Duvall. Of the San Francisco Giants. He had 11 saves on 11 opportunities. Dang, a young guy in there too. I like that. Yes, love Camilo Duvall on this podcast. And then our whip leader, Michael Walker as well. Crazy enough, his ERA and whip are the exact same, which is wild. Um, uh, at a .72 walks and hits per inning pitched. He also led in batting average against. Uh, and then George Kirby. Leads in innings pitched at 40.1. Zach Granke only allowed three walks, uh, as well as Bryce Miller only allowed three walks. The rookie himself, we cannot avoid talking about. And <laughs> the Texas Rangers 
with the best winning percentage. They went 18 and 9, a 660 or yeah, 667 winning percentage in the month of May. Dang the Rangers, man. Who would have thought? What a what a weird MLB season. I know. Like like yes, they have made significant acquisitions and brought up a few great young guys, but yeah, that's Definitely a team that I wasn't completely expecting, but then again, I haven't expected any of these teams to do well this year. <laughs> Except point. the Diamondbacks. I expected the Diamondbacks. Oh, man. You've been calling both, man. Y'all are y'all, y'all hopped on the train a while ago. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, but they're a fun team, though. Let's talk this weekend in the MLB. We've got a few fun series. Not too crazy of a weekend, but definitely some series to watch out for. What's your favorite? Uh, well, you know, bias, but it, it's always going to be a big deal when the Yankees and Dodgers play. I mean, two of the most like Certainly. kind of historical franchises, the one on the West, it's, you know, West versus East. Um, and, and I feel like the Yankees and Dodgers in a way are kind of uh, bless you, by the way, kind of, they're very similar in the sense where they're, they're kind of like the two historical teams of the MLB. So uh, it's, it, it'll, it's always a good series when the Yankees go out West. So I love that one. Um, Obviously, Braves D-backs, uh, a fantastic oh, yeah. matchup. Um, we got Spencer Strider on the mound on Saturday, uh, Friday. Charlie Morton versus Merrill Kelly. Um, I believe we'll be lucky enough to avoid Mister Zach Gallen, but can't <laughs> avoid everything else. So right now, Braves thirty-three twenty-three Diamondbacks as of today's win thirty-four twenty-four. This is going to be a fantastic series, no matter how it goes. Oh, 100%. And just kind of another one that I'm eyeballing right now is going to be uh, L.A. and Houston. Um, division rivals, uh, right? Division rivals? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure. Uh, obviously, we just talked about the Angels, and I'm just kind of going to echo that. You know, they have these young guys and these pieces, but they're going to need to bring it against the teams that have kind of dominated them recently, and that's, you know, definitely going to be the Astros. So going to be looking forward to this series. Yeah, and then we also have Blue Jays Mets, two teams that are just trying to kind of climb up a little bit in their respective divisions because Toronto is 30 and 27, but they sit in fourth in the AL East, which that's so tough because, like, <laughs> like, they're four games behind the New York Yankees right now who are in third, and they're still playing great. Everybody's still playing above 500 baseball. It, it is an insanely tough division to play in. So if Toronto can can you know maybe get a sweep this weekend against the Mets that'd be huge but for the Mets as well they're only a few games back in the NL East now you know the Braves took a little bit of a skid dropping two to the Athletics which we're not talking about and (laughs) um, they're now find themselves only three and a half games back so this is a big one for both teams Uh, I think Mariners Rangers could be entertaining we've got Luis Castillo on the mound uh, in game one I believe yeah on Friday uh, and then, of course, just the Rangers just put up runs. So that'll be a fun one to watch as well. Yeah, I love it. Um, and kind of another one here, not much to really talk about, but one I'm going to be looking at, uh, Boston and Tampa. Yep. Yeah, at least match up. That one's going to be a definitely a, a, definitely a good one. Yeah, and I think Orioles-Giants could certainly be entertaining. Uh, we'll see Logan Webb uh, hop up on the mound this weekend. And, look, this Orioles team is nothing to – scoff at they are absolutely insane they're playing fantastic baseball one of their best starts uh, in i believe like the last 10 years 20 years 35 and 21 to start the season absolutely fantastic i think last year 
they didn't hit 35 wins until maybe August, June, or, or late July, maybe mid July. So yeah, the Orioles, the Orioles just, man. Ugh. It's just it's unbelievable. Like I, I remember you and I, you know, kind of going into like our MLB 2023 like season preview. You know, we were thinking. You know, last season for the Orioles, it, it was amazing. They played for that, you know, wild card spot there at the end. But, you know, I feel like you and I and most everybody else was under the assumption that they, they were going to be still under a rebuild, kind of. The Orioles, I mean, crumbled that up and said, fuck you, rebuild. And, I mean, they're playing they're playing like they could be a serious threat out of the AL, even in the playoffs, dude. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and a lot of my kind of suspicions with this team was going to be the pitching, but for the most part, I've been very happy with what I've seen. They've got two starters in the rotation with Kyle Gibson and Tyler Wells that have a sub-4 ERA, and the emergence of Yenier Cano has been fantastic to watch, as well as Felix Bautista as their closer, who's been solid uh, down there at the end. So I- I'm I'm very happy. I think the-, the pitching has surprised me the most. Obviously, I knew this team could hit. Uh, I-, I didn't think that, you know, Adley Rushman would be having the season he is, which he's having a great year. Kind of slowed down a little bit in this past month, but Cedric Mullins continues to fire on all cylinders. Ryan Mountcastle still hitting home runs. And really the base running prowess of this team as well. When you have Cedric Mullins with 13 stolen bases and Jorge Mateo with 15 stolen bases, it's pretty hard to deny this team. Yeah, Jorge Mateo is has elite speed, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it is insane. It's it's the acceleration that makes him so goddamn fast. Exactly. But I think this is a good time to get into my team of the month. Uh, we were going to have Colin on. Uh, unfortunately, Colin suffered a little injury at work today. Yes, he did. Brutal. So we, we are hoping for a speedy recovery for Mr. Colin are. Grant. Um, but nonetheless... We must move on to the team of the month. We'll start in the outfield with one Aaron Judge. All rise for the judge. What a month he fucking had. Oh, my God. So he batted. We'll talk slash line to start it off. 342 average, a 474 on base percentage, and a slugging at 882. Good for that OPS of 1356. Two war this month. He even had a stolen base, which is crazy. But what I love the most is the 12 home runs, 25 RBIs, and 23 runs. That's what gets it done. Those are the numbers we ought to see. He's walking a ton as well. He walked 20 times this month, which is only six less than how many times he hit. Yeah, you'd love to see it. Um, I I know kind of when he was first starting out, the worry with him is that, you know, oh, he's, you know, just a power hitter. And it's good to see now at 31 years old, he's at, you know, probably the prime of his career. Once again, you can hear that on the uh, microphone there through your headphones. Um, he, he's he been much more than just a power hitter. I mean, you just brought it up. He can walk. He can get on base other, you know, ways than just hitting home runs. So he's uh, really blossomed into what everybody wanted him to be. Yeah, and when 63.5% of your hits are hard hits, that's a big stat there. Uh, I will say – between his walk and strikeout ratio, he's either walking or striking out uh, just over 46% of the time, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the next outfielder, Loris Gurriel of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He had a great month as well. 
Um, eight home runs, 18 runs, 18 RBIs. Uh, only walked 8.9% of the time, but not really a plate discipline guy. Picked up a triple, seven doubles. Fantastic. Had 32 hits this month, a 352 average, an 1130 OPS. Just a fantastic month for Lourdes Gurriel and really just the Diamondbacks in general. Yeah, had two RBIs last night, actually. Yeah, he is killing it. And my last guy to round out the outfield, somebody that I arguably could have put a DH, but he has played a good bit of outfield this month as well, Jorge Soler of the Miami Marlins. Sneakily, one of the best home run hitters this season. Tied Judge this month in home runs at 12. Tied him in RBIs as well at 25. Only scored 20 runs, though. Had two doubles, not that great but did walk 10% of the time, which is relatively good for Jorge Soler. Uh, a 982 OPS and a hard hit percentage of 45.2. Fantastic month for Jorge Soler. He's actually walked four times in his last two games. <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm surprised Acuna didn't end up on your uh, in the outfield here, Grayson. They're at the end of the month. like the To end off like with that Oakland A's series, Tanked him. <laughs> yeah. Got to be honest. Like I, I don't, I don't even know. I, I know in the first two games he didn't record a hit. Oh no! So so that kind of slowed him down uh, and held him out. But you know he'll be there by the end. Uh, oh, for sure. But let's move to the infield. Um, I had a feeling that you probably figured this one out when we talk statistical leaders. But first base is Freddie Freeman. Um, you, you get forty six hits in a month. You make the team of the month. It just happens to be that way. Uh, a 400 average for the month is crazy. Uh, 722 slugging, 1184 OPS. A hard hit percentage of 53.1 is so good. And 17 doubles. Like, holy shit. He scored 28 times, RBIs 26. He even stole four bases. Freddie Freeman stole four bases. Dang, what has happened to him out there in L.A., man? <laughs> I don't know. They must have him on some diet. Yeah, like di- diet's a funny word for P.E.D. I guess, yeah. I don't want to assume <laughs> that of Freddie, though. No, maybe would, maybe I, I he's on uh, Ozempic like everybody else in L.A. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> but let's move to second base. We'll take this one down to Arlington. Mr. Marcus Simeon, the big money man down in Texas, had a great month. Uh, Honestly, across second baseman, not a lot to choose from here, but still had a good month regardless. He does come in as the only guy with a sub-900 OPS at 898, just barely under, but under nonetheless. A 322 average, 385 on base, 513 slugging, but... The one that got me here is the fact that he's getting 21 RBIs and he only hit three home runs. So he is just hitting the ball with runners in scoring position. Is that is huge. I love Marcus Simeon. That's awesome. Yeah, a, a fantastic player. And a newcomer to really just talking about in general, third baseman for the Cincinnati Reds, Spencer Steer. I'm going to be honest, I never really heard of this guy before this month, and then I'd randomly see his name pop up, and all of a sudden, he's on my team of the month, but for good reason. A 318 average this month, 372 on base, a 573 slugging, a 945 OPS, fantastic. But what got me here, 
19 RBIs, 18 runs, 6 home runs, picked up a triple, and 8 doubles. Good for 35 hits as well. Spencer Steer had an outstanding month. I love that. And he's actually playing live right now against the Red Sox in, the, in that Reds-Red Sox series. In uh, two at-bats, he has one walk and a double so far. Actually, hey, saying here that he struck out. I don't know how to read these baseball lines, man. <laughs> well, nonetheless, he's off to a pretty good start in June. Uh, but let's continue down the list. It's shortstop, the Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Bo Bichette. Of course. The, the guy is just killing it. He is absolutely killing it. I would love to see him walk a little bit more. Only a 5.5% walk percentage, but keeping the strikeouts down, a 14.2% strikeout percentage, slash line, 342 average, 378 uh, on-base percentage, 533 slugging, good for an OPS at 911. Whoa. But... <laughs> Not the crime segment. No, not that kind of crime. We don't have a terrorism yeah. segment, and we never will. But no. only five home runs, still put up 20 RBIs, scored five times, grabbed himself two stolen bases, a triple, six doubles, 41 hits this month for Boba Shett. Just absolutely killing it, and hair's still looking good. Only 25 years old, too. Yeah, dude. Got a lot more Boba Shett to see. <laughs> Certainly. And then behind the plate, commanding the diamond, Atlanta's own Sean Murphy. Oh, yeah. man, I love this guy. <laughs> Just absolutely insanely good. And so young as well. Sean Murphy is only 28 years old. He's only been in the league, I believe, four or five years. Yeah, this is his fifth season in the MLB, the guy is so goddamn good. Yeah, he is, and he's on one of those Braves contracts, man. So somehow you conned yep. your way into that one and got Sean Murphy on a favorable favorable deal for him and favorable for you know the fans and the Braves. So yes. I'm sick of you guys, man. I can't believe Sean Murphy's <laughs> on the contract that he is. It's unbelievable. Well, I can believe it, and I'm sure grateful for it. 313 this month. Uh, average of 400 on base percentage, 530 slugging, 930 OPS, uh, a hard hit rate just below 50% at 49.2. Picked up 1.3 war this month as well. 22 RBIs, 13 runs, five home runs, three doubles. Uh, I love the guy behind the plate too. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Just just, to, just when you thought you couldn't get better than Travis Darnode. Yeah, Sean Murphy. I know, right? We just upgrade. It, it is insane. But let's move to the DH to round out the hitters. Jordan Alvarez. You just can't stop him. He is an undeniable force at the plate. Eight home runs, 21 RBIs, scored 21 runs, seven doubles. He actually kept the strikeout percentage below 20%, which is very good for Jordan at 19.3%. The walk percentage is up at a 13.2%. OPS just over 1,000 at 1,005. And the hard hit percentage, 60.8%. Jordan Alvarez is just such a beast. Yeah, a complete freak of nature. And only 25 years old. Amazing. Yeah, and doing right by the number 44. I can always respect <laughs> that. Yes. But let's talk pitching. 
I feel like there was no other starting pitcher to pick. Maybe you could have said Michael Walker, but I had to take Nathan Eovaldi of the Texas Rangers. Yes. He had one hell of a month. He picked up one war. We'll start there. But in ERA at .96, 31 strikeouts. He threw 513 pitches, 335 strikes. Wow. Only, yeah, fantastic numbers there. Only walked nine batters in five starts and was 4-0 and this month. I, I want to preface, preface what I'm about to say by saying that I love Nathan Avaldi, but another guy where I can look at and go, where was it in the pinstripes? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Red Sox uh, fans man. would like him to play better as well. But yeah, <laughs> let's round it out. Closer, we already talked about him. It's Camilo Doval of the San Francisco Giants. My God, is this guy insane. 11 saves on 11 opportunities. He pitched in 14 games, 13.2 innings pitched, 23 strikeouts, only allowed four walks, 246 pitches, 153 strikes. Damn. Yeah, a case per nine, 15.15. Just an absolute monster. Who do you think's going to finish with the better career? Emmanuel Classe or Camilo Duvall? Oh, that is a tough question, man. I would like to see um, them just kind of dominate their positions for the next however long. It'd be yeah. very cool. I love like, both of these guys. You know, we've seen Camilo Doval in the league now. This is his third season, but still very young at 25. Um, Emmanuel Classe, though, also pretty damn young. Uh, I'm going to look it up real quick just to make sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, 25 years, two months. Same age in his fourth season in the league. I don't really know. Uh, you know, Klasse did get uh, a, a year to start, but only picked up one save in his rookie year with Texas uh, and then got sent back down uh, for two years when he got tra- uh, traded to Cleveland. But nonetheless, since he's come up in Cleveland, he has been absolutely phenomenal. You know, obviously 42 saves last year. He's already at 17 this year. I think I'm going to have to go Klasse just – I think his style of pitching could hold up for a longer time uh, rather than Camilo Duvall. But obviously both of them throw absolute heat. I just think Camilo Duvall isn't going to hold up quite as long, at least, you know, uh, physicality-wise. Okay, I like that take. But that is going to do it for the team of the month. That was a good one. I I liked that. Yeah, you know, there was a couple of guys that I kind of fought between, obviously tons of outfielders that could have made it in. Uh, I could have argued, you know, Nolan Arenado could have gotten it over Spencer Steer at third. A couple other ones you could have argued for, maybe Will Smith over Sean Murphy, a catcher. But I'm going to be honest, I just needed a brave in here. (laughs) Hey, I like it. All right. Let's move on to the NFL then. Not too much going on. Uh, I got to be honest, but let's just start off with this story because I want to get your opinion on it. Jameis Winston, former Florida State. Former Heisman, BCS National Champion, Jameis Winston, also crab leg thief, believes that he is still a starting quarterback in the NFL. What do you think, Luke? I think he is. Okay, I'm glad because I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, he he, um, obviously went down with a back injury last year. We didn't get to see him at all after it. And now he's been replaced by Derek Carr, but hasn't, you know, hasn't left. So 
I don't know. Maybe a, a reunion with Tampa? Possibly. I, I, I think um, Jameis Winston is that awkward case where you have an athlete that's you know getting older and, to be honest, wasn't really ever that good to begin with. But the meme, as he is kind of you know regressed, he's 29 now, has kind of taken over him. And, and I feel like it's it, it gives him a bad rap. I mean, in 2021 with the Saints, I'm looking at it now, he had a 14 to 3 touchdown interception ratio. His passer rating was 102.8. He's he's very decent. <laughs> he is. Super decent. And he so got LASIK. I, I like him. And he got LASIK. Exactly. So yeah, I, I think he's got a spot. It's just where. That that's kind of the problem for me right now. Is where is he gonna find his spot? Me, me too, because it seems like uh, the NFL of today, we've moved towards like this kind of awkward, uh, like it's very strange, but like I feel like everybody has loaded quarterback rooms. Like, you know, you either some teams wouldn't even really have a second string guy. And, and now we're at the point where like, you know, sometimes even guys have like a third string guy that's like, you know, not a no name. So it, it's kind of interesting and it really doesn't bode well for uh, this Jameis Winston discussion. But to go back to the topic, yes, he can start in the NFL. All right. I'm glad you're on my side. Sure. Let's talk about the Bengals. Zach Taylor said that they're only going to have one single joint practice. It'll be with the Packers ahead of their preseason opener. Um, a reporter asked him if that means that last year's Aaron Donald helmet swinging incident uh, you know, didn't ruin offseason uh, or single joint practices. He said, that's why we're only doing one day. <laughs> I remember reading on that, Grayson, and being like, no shit. You're going to – okay, okay. The two teams that played in the Super Bowl only a couple months previous, let's let them practice without any cameras, any fans, yep. except for the ones that can go. What the fuck's going to happen? <laughs> Honestly. <Yeah. laughs> I think it's more surprising that the Bengals weren't the ones that, you know, were swinging helmets. Oh, yeah, me too. Um even though Miles Garrett played on the Browns, yes. Fair enough. <laughs> but no, but the Bengals, it's that AFC North, you know, energy. I get that. <laughs> yeah. But I will say Aaron Donald is just a beast of a man. So it doesn't surprise me that he resorted to violence. Yeah, and I mean Aaron Donald with two helmets in both hands, I mean that's gotta feel like a five pound dumbbell to him. I mean, he's swinging at that thing hard. Yeah, that's like fighting like the combination of like uh like Sandman and Hulk. Yeah, exactly right. But let's move on. David Bakhtiari, who I'm honestly surprised, appears to be staying with the Packers. We kept talking about how he might get cut. Looks like he won't, but he was asked just kind of what his role is going to be and what he wants it to be with this Packers team. He said, whatever the team needs me to be. Um, he said, they want me to yell and scream. I'll yell and scream. They want me to shut the fuck up. I'm going to shut the fuck up. I just want to win. I've been around the block enough times, and I want to win. What an answer. That's um, that's exactly yeah. what you want to hear as a Packers fan who just lost Aaron Rodgers. And and even comparing what Bakhtiari has said here with, you know, Aaron Jones and his whole, like, you know, taking pay cuts and contract situation, the Packers are in good hands with their offensive leaders, man. Uh, those guys have some heart. Yeah, I, I think we're in a, a – I think the Packers are in a better situation than, you know, maybe they could have imagined with the departure of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. 
Yeah, I'm glad to see this kind of leadership. And look, David Bakhtiari has been a big part. It's just about keeping him on the field. If he can stay healthy, he can be one of the best linemen in the league. But like the last five years, he just cannot stay on the field. Yeah, it's been brutal. But um, like you just said, I know he's been hurt and off the field, but don't forget the last name Bakhtiari. He is uh, easily one of the best tackles in the league healthy. Yeah, and he can chug a beer like a vacuum. Got to throw that in there. (laughs) But let's talk about their division rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. They made a a great move here. They paid off the debt on U.S. Bank Stadium 23 years early, which is going to save some Minnesota taxpayers $226 million in interest. Wow. What a move for the city. I I wonder how much credit that built. (laughs) Oh, man. They've got to have a perfect (laughs) credit score now. Right? I want one of those Vikings uh, credit cards. Sign me up for one of those. <laughs> yeah, give me, give me the team use card. I'll use it wisely. <laughs> I love that. Uh, let's see. Todd Bowles, uh, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said that both Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask have been getting equal first-team reps at quarterback. Interesting. So I don't know if this is a good thing for Kyle Trask or a bad thing for Baker Mayfield. I was just about, I I was literally thinking the same thing. Like, I I don't know if even Baker Mayfield, like, deserves to have the same reps as Kyle Trask. But Kyle Trask, you know, is a guy who has had, like, zero opportunity in the league. Yeah. And he was okay in college. Yeah, he was for a year. I think from like a outsider looking in, I think this is perfect for the Buccaneers. But you know, if you're if you're Baker Mayfield, I would I would honestly be kind of offended. Yeah, I would too. But the fact that they're giving Kyle Trask this kind of opportunity is a good sign in his development. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, why would you draft a guy that came out of uh, college like that and not really give him any opportunity? I, I like seeing Kyle Trask have these reps. It's it's going to be good. I think. Yeah, obviously, I hate. Gators having success, but I can yeah. root for Kyle Trask. We all do, but yeah, we can root for Kyle Trask. All right, did you see Jamal Williams' visor? <laughs> no, I did not. You got to look up a picture. He pulled out the anime visor at OTAs, and I'm not even an anime fan. of Actually, I don't even think I've ever watched one, but this visor is undoubtedly cool as fuck. Which, let me, I'm trying to find it real yeah, fast. Jamal Williams' anime visor. Yeah, first thing. Oh wow! It is so sick. You know what? I don't. It's a cool idea, but I don't really like how that looks. It it almost looks too fake. I don't know. I think it's cool as shit. I I don't cool concept, but I I think it could be pulled off better. I I think that can be done better for sure. But okay, he is um. (laughs) God, you gotta love Jamal Williams, man. (laughs) Yeah, I think he pulled it off better than Miles Garrett's like Dragon Ball Z one. That one was shit. Right, now I got to look up that one. Yeah, that one was from like 2019. But it was like, instead of it like being put on like a reflective visor, it was like a decal with like a bunch of holes in it. So you could actually see through it. It looks like shit. Oh, wow. Yeah, I am seeing that. Oh, yeah. Okay. I. Oh man, I kind of think I like that one better, Grace. What? I, I kind of like that one better. It's got to be so hard to see through. Oh, I'm sure, but I, I just, 
it's showing a picture from afar here where you can't really see the holes and just like the colors on the backdrop of like his helmet just look really sick in my opinion i don't know I, i'm not a fan but nonetheless let's talk about this one this is kind of almost leading us into the next topic but we'll talk about one thing more in the nfl but harry kane uh, obviously premier league star uh with tottenham still wants to kick after his career uh he wants to kick in the nfl uh obviously a couple of years ago this whole topic came up and uh, i believe morton anderson kind of just told harry kane to kick rocks uh but <laughs> harry kane why <laughs> because morton anderson's just like being a dick yeah but I don't know. People just don't like the idea of this being like, I think kickers don't, I think they see this as kind of disrespectful. I can see that. Saying that it's like, yeah, when I want to hang them up, I'll just go play football. Yeah, but, you know, from fans like us, Grayson, who follow soccer, I could easily see a soccer player maybe retiring from soccer at like 38, 39 going to the NFL and kicking till they're 45 and being serviceable yeah. at 45 years old. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Well, like, like Josh Lambeau, former, uh, he just retired. He played in the MLS before he started his career in the NFL. Very cool. I actually never knew that. Yeah. Um, but before we get into a ton of soccer to talk about, uh, obviously DeAndre Hopkins was cut. Uh, earlier this week, but Ooh, yeah. <laughs> where do we think he's gonna land? Um, I don't know because I I just read an article today, or maybe it was two days ago, that said that the Chiefs are they believe that Kadarius Tony can be a number one wide receiver. I I don't disagree, Ooh. but D Hop with Mahomes, man, or uh, my personal favorite back in Houston. Yeah, I, I I haven't even really thought about Houston being an option, but it certainly is. Um, I mean, Brian isn't there anymore, man. Yeah, I, I think that the the money is a problem with the Chiefs. That would be the the thing in the way there. Um, some people had said the Jets, but Robert Sala just flat out came into a press conference. Somebody asked him about it, and he said, "I'm happy with our guys," and I, I you know. There's plenty of places the Giants could, you know, hash out a little bit of money if they're not going to pay Saquon. Um, the Falcons could True. throw some money at them. Falcons, yeah. There's definitely some teams, uh, the Ravens even, if they have a little money left over. I doubt it, but if they've got yep. some money, why not? Um, What's your favorite, though? Obviously, my favorite landing spot for them is the Falcons, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I think an interesting one, and you'll probably like this one, is the Steelers. I mean, Deontay possibly. Johnson, George Pickens, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, Deontay Johnson, it feels like he's been on his way out every offseason for like his entire career. So maybe. Um, but I, I, I got to go with Houston as like my favorite and realistic. Just because I, I think it would be really cool to see him work with like a rookie quarterback. I, I don't know. Did, did Deshaun Watson come after D Hop? No, they had a couple of years together. But what I'm saying is, like, was D-Hop on the team before Deshaun Watson? Oh, oh won, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they were still kind of young at the time. So I don't really think there was a lot for D-Hop to really teach uh, Deshaun Watson. 
DeAndre Hopkins, who's 31 now, with C.J. Stroud, I think could be really, really interesting and awesome for C.J. Stroud, obviously. And they just lost Brandon Cooks. Yeah, they they definitely could use help in the receiving game. It's something that I think C.J. Stroud needs um, as soon as he gets there is a, a solid number one wide receiver. And obviously DeAndre Hopkins could be that. Yes, for sure. But, Luke, are you ready to get into all of this soccer news? Oh, man, there's plenty, and I am very excited for it. So let's All do right. It. Well, let's start with the Europa League final. Unfortunately, uh. Jose Mourinho falls short. Sevilla beats Roma on penalties. It was a 1-1 draw. Uh, Sevilla takes it 4-1 on penalties. What a game. Mourinho... Finally loses a European final. That makes him 5-1 and one in European finals. He had come in 5-0. and oh. And Sevilla, when they're fifth in 10 seasons, their fifth Europa League title in 10 seasons, uh, they also remain unbeaten in the Europa League final at 6-0. and oh. So it, it was really cool that both Mourinho and Sevilla kind of went into this final, like, you know, 5-0, and oh, which was, you know, why it was such a selling point. And... God, dude, I, I I caught a little bit of that game, Grayson. When you put Roma fans and Sevilla fans in the same stadium, good luck hearing the commentators. What an atmosphere! <laughs> I I honestly wish I was there. It was incredible to just even listen to on the like live coverage of it. Yeah, well, well let's talk about this real quick because Roma, honestly, they they lost the game for themselves. Uh, the the Mancini own goal. First of all, beautiful shot. If he was the attacker, it would have been phenomenal but <laughs> right like perfect touch goalkeeper had no chance that that was great if he was on Sevilla but he is not and fucked his team over exactly yes but they also fucked themselves over in penalties because uh, Brian Cristante scores his first and makes it 1-1 on penalties Lamella steps up for Sevilla slots his in and then Gianluca Mancini once again, fucks it up and misses his penalty kick. Ivan Rakitic steps up, makes his, makes it 3-1. Roger Ibanez misses his as well. That's three straight misses for Roma. And then Gonzalo Montiel steps up, slots his in, and Sevilla win it. I, if I'm Jose Mourinho, which we all know he was pretty mad uh, after the game, I would be so fucking pissed at this team. Oh, I would too. I mean, to play that well, and I mean, to keep up with Sevilla the entire time, uh, I mean, it was brutal. It, it really, you know, was Roma's crucial mistakes that lost in the game. And, you know, those always seem to be the toughest to lose. Yeah, it, it really is. But um, Jose Mourinho had some, some words for the referees in this one, uh, <laughs> namely after the game in the tunnel, speaking his mind to the referee. I yeah, I can uh, definitely if there's a manager that's going to tell the referee what he thinks, it's going to be Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, certainly, but when we talk player performances, look, both of these teams, it just kind of seemed like everybody played very well. Yeah, um it was very um like kind of 50-50 ball s, kind of like um it, it, it was like uh, watching um the Italian teams play against each other. It was very physical, very like fast and aggressive in defense. Uh, and they, uh, I mean, for the neutral fan, like you and I, Grayson, I mean, this fixture was absolutely a show. Sevilla and Roma put on a 
magnificent performance for all of us, really. Yeah, and, and what a big win for Jose Luis Mendilabar, um, the manager of Sevilla, a, a career Spanish coach, like absolutely crazy. Um, started his career with uh, UD Lanzarote, but Ibar from 2004 to 2005, then with Bilbao, wow. Valiadad, Osasuna, Levante, Ibar, Alaves, and finally making it up to one of the top tier teams with Sevilla, like. This guy has climbed up the ranks of Spanish soccer and now winning a Europa League at the age of 62. Yeah, uh, you just... (laughs) It's been a long journey for him, but, you know, you like to see those guys pull through in the end. Uh, Another guy that I wanted to shout out, and I'm going to give Mancini back his his flowers because, oh my God. So Mancini kind of like recovers this through ball at like midfield and he kind of dribbles it forward and Dybala makes this fantastic run, which Man City delivers or Man City Mancini delivers just perfectly to him on the through ball and Dybala scored in this final with that magical left foot and ah man, Paulo Dybala, you just can't hate him. And and I love seeing him celebrate. It it felt like, uh, it felt like I was back five years ago. Yeah. It it (laughs) felt like him just bursting onto the scene with Juventus because that was a fun time. It really was. And he, um, yeah, Dybala has really been, he's played great for Roma. He really has. Yeah, he has. He's been very solid, really a big part of this team's success in this Europa League. But I kind of want to talk about Jose Mourinho and kind of the aftermath of this because outside of, you know, him talking to the ref, there's been some rumors that maybe he goes to PSG this offseason. But, um, it looks like he wants to stay in Rome. Yeah, um, he. Uh, it it kind of seems weird, you know, that you wouldn't want to go manage PSG, and it, it for especially for Jose Mourinho, who's you know bounced around some of the top clubs all across the world. Really, um, it, it's surprising to me that he wouldn't want to go try in France for the first time. But and again, there is that side of Marome, of Mourinho that's you know taken Porto to a treble, taken Inter Milan to a treble, and. I think although Jose Mourinho has managed really big teams like Chelsea and Man United, yes, I just included my own team there. Very narcissistic comment. Well, he won uh, plenty of championships with Chelsea, so. Yeah, he did, he did. And he also made Chelsea. But Jose Mourinho, I think he likes the underdog challenge, man. And I really I, I really like that about him. And it's it, go through his whole career and look. When he started managing Chelsea in the early 2000s, Chelsea was a nobody team who just got bought by that Russian billionaire, Roman Abramovich. Mourinho took us to top flight, brought in players that would last, and then left. I really think, you know, Jose Mourinho just likes that kind of underdog mentality. He's uh, He likes going to the underdog teams. Yeah, he does. But, you know, he also likes to manage Real Madrid and Man United. Yes. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> well... Is that all you've got for this one? Because I definitely want to talk FA Cup. Yeah, we can move on. All right, let's talk about the FA Cup final, the Manchester Derby. Luke, what's kind of your first thoughts with this matchup? My first thoughts are, I, I, I want to go over the injury report because it there is a kind of a lengthy one on both sides. So, Lissandro Martinez will not uh, play in the FA Cup final. Donny van de Beek and Sabitzer join him. And a new one, Martial just got ruled out of the FA Cup final with his last Prim game. Uh, and they also still don't know about Anthony, but they're hopeful that Anthony will play. On the other side, Manchester City, 
Jack Grealish, he's hurt right now, but is expected to play. Ruben Diaz is actually uncertain. Uh, Manuel Akanji, uh, there isn't anything for him. He's not expected. He's not uncertain. He's just nothing, just hurt. De Bruyne is expected to play, but he is also on this injury list. So very interesting going into this game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think some of this Manchester City stuff, you know, if anybody's feeling a little bit banged up, I'd probably sit them because you've got the Champions League final just the next weekend. So you really don't yep. want to, you know, use up a guy and then make it worse. But I think that, you know, in my mind, Manchester United still has a little bit more to deal with here because, yes, Manchester City could be missing some some heavy hitters, but... Erling Holland's still going to be on the field. Like, you know, we we could see Phil Foden on the field if Jack Grealish is out. Like, there, there is still such a good team that Manchester City could field. And I just think Man United, you know, with Sabitzer and Martinez and Donny Van de Beek and possibly Anthony out, it's going to be tough. Big time. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of hit it on the head there. Man United just simply do not have the depth that Manchester City have, which... Might kill them here, but who knows? I mean, Manchester United definitely have more to play for. I mean, they, at one point, it was looking like they could be like a second place team, I thought. You know, they screamed all the way up to third place and just kind of hung out there for a while. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, they're a little bit hungrier because after uh, Rashford got hurt, they kind of went on a little skid there. So I, I think, you know... You have a team that wants to win a treble and then a team that wants to win, you know, the FA Cup for the first time in a while, I think. So it's and a Manchester Derby. So, man, I can't wait for this one, dude. This one's going to be good. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, I'm very excited to watch this. And I think it's mainly just because I want to see the excitement of this Derby in a tournament. Uh, I think, you know, obviously it's it's insane in, in you know, uh, a normal league match. But when you see it in the FA Cup, I think it means a little bit more when you know there's a trophy there. Yeah, uh, I mean, and to that point, this has to be the first Manchester Derby played in like a final or a tournament setting. And it has to be a long time. Has yeah, to be a long yeah, time. definitely. Um, yeah, but this game, gosh, this is... I, I really haven't heard much about this FA Cup final, but th- this is huge. I mean, this is a massive game here. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it means a lot. You know, this is Manchester City at least attaining a double. Um, that would be yep. huge. Manchester United would also get their second trophy of the year, though not a Premier League. Um, so, a lot on the line here, but... The biggest thing here is that Manchester City and Man United have not drawn in any of their last six matches against each other. So I think we could expect this one to be done in 90 minutes. Yeah, uh, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, of course, this game would have to be played to a result, but oh man, <laughs> oh man, that's all I got to say. It, it's just, uh, I hope it's not a blowout though. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping we get to see Holland. I hope they're not just kind of sitting him to to have him fully ready for the Champions League final because, yes, of course the Champions League means more. But I, I think you know when you're fighting for a treble, you still got to field your best squad. Sure, and he's got a week to recover. So exactly. Yeah, he'll be good. But a score prediction? Uh I think City's got it. Uh, I'm gonna go three-one City. Three-two City. All right. It's hard to deny them, honestly. 
Yeah, at this point, as much as it bums me out to say that they're going to win, I, I like to be right on these, so I pick Manchester City. <laughs> <laughs> All oh, right, man. well, we've got a ton of transfer rumors and news. The transfer window opens in, I oh, believe, man. two weeks but let's get into it. obviously all of the moves get started now. So let's start with your boys at Chelsea. Mauricio Pochettino is coming in and starting his own thing. Uh, for sure. Um, I know the big two players out of that 15 that you have here that are ready to, you know, be sent out. Pulisic and Mason Mount are probably the two biggest. And, you know, with what we've seen recently with Mason Mount is it seems like he really likes Manchester United. Yep. Which is a complete bummer, but it is, and it looks like those talks are advancing with Manchester United. Uh, another big one that I've been seeing, uh, Mateo Kovacic uh, has been in talks with a few different teams. Uh, they're sending Yao Felix back to Atletico Madrid. Um, quite a few things happening right now, but uh, I think that Mauricio Pochettino has his the right idea in mind. Uh, it looks like they're eyeing both uh, Inter Milan's Onana and Villa's Martinez in goal. That would be either one of those pickups I think would be great. Yeah, I, I love both of those goalies. I, I just wanted to speak on the Jao Felix thing for a second. And and this one's just an absolute bummer. We, we had a guy come in from a Diego Simeone Atletico Madrid, and he's a striker. So basically a center back um, pretty much in that system. Jao Felix... I really thought that Chelsea's style would unlock him and he would finally be in a system where he could flourish offensively, which is, you know, his entire game. But that wasn't the case. Um, And it's a bummer that a player who came out publicly and said that he would like to stay at Chelsea, he really enjoys London, is now being sent back to Atletico Madrid. But, you know, I get it. He would have been expensive anyway, and he really wasn't performing all that well, in my opinion, anyway. So it's a bummer, but probably a good decision. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, Let's continue talking with just all of these new ones. So Julian Alvarez, it's looking like he might sign a new contract with Man City, but, you know, I'm hearing that maybe Bayern is interested, but, it looks like they're possibly dropping out. A few other Premier League clubs interested. I I think Julian Alvarez is going to end up staying, weirdly enough. I, I think he will too. Um, and, and it is weird because a player like Julian Alvarez, does not he doesn't need to be on the bench. It, it just so happens that he plays on a team that has uh, the best players at you know his position, really. I, I personally, selfishly, would like him to move. But yeah. I mean, he plays on the best team in the world right now, so why leave? Yeah, and while we're talking about teams ranking highly in the world, the team with the most fucking money in the world, uh, PSG, (laughs) they're eyeing Arsenal standouts Martin Odegaard and William Saliba. It looks like Odegaard wants to stay. I haven't heard much about Saliba, but if PSG takes either of these, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I, I enjoy seeing both of these guys in the prim. It, I, and, you know, I, I don't know about you, Grayson, but I don't get many league uh, games. So, yeah, like I can watch them. Uh, I'd rather not. I don't really care <laughs> wanna... about FC Mets versus Stod Rems on a fucking Sunday <laughs> afternoon. You know, you don't want to watch the uh, the Farmers versus PSG? No, I don't. <laughs> like maybe I'll watch uh, like a, a Lyon versus Marseille matchup. Yeah, that'd be good. But otherwise, yeah, I'm not tuning in. Yeah, I'm not either. But um, 
I'm surprised that um, we're not seeing a uh, Gonzalo Ramos on this. I, I really thought that, you know, with Mbappe um, kind of wanting out and it looked like on his way out, I, I kind of thought Ramos, uh, the guy out of Benfica would be like a perfect shout for PSG, but I really haven't heard much about Mbappe's situation. I'm kind of going off of uh, how it was like months ago. So yeah, I haven't heard anything about either of the two. I haven't heard much about Mbappe and, you know, since kind of these seasons are wrapping up, I haven't really heard anything about Gonzalo Ramos either. Yeah, which you'd think you would, you know, a small guy playing bigger than the club, dare I say. I mean, that might be offensive, but that's kind of just the way it happens in yeah. soccer today. But, yeah, especially with Portuguese yeah. players, man. There's so many great players that come out of there. Oh, for sure. Uh, but let's talk about Harry Kane. It, it looks like he's eyeing a move to Manchester United, but he said that if it falls through, he will remain with Spurs. So maybe in a similar situation as Mason Mount. Yeah. Um, but kind of reading through the prep sheet before we started recorded or recording, can you imagine Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford up top with Manchester United? And Anthony. And Anthony. It's they perfectly would offset each other. Ra- Rashford is a guy who we've obviously seen can score. He can dribble and assist pretty decently. Harry Kane is just, you know, one of the most raw and consistent yeah. finishers in the entire world. I, I think they could be a lethal partnership up front. Yeah, I think people have overlooked the fact that with his brace on the final match day, Harry Kane scored 30 goals this year. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> and then you add that to Marcus Rashford, who... I believe put up quite a few as well this season. Yeah, 17 this year in the Prem. Like, it, that would be quite the team up front. And then you have the playmaking <laughs> ability of Bruno Fernandez. And, and even Jaden Sancho has been a, a decent assister. Christian Eriksen. Like, th- there is a lot of playmaking ability on this team. And throwing a target man like Harry Kane up front would be crazy. Exactly. But I I wanted to talk a little bit deeper into Harry Kane with you. And it was something that I actually brought up to you on Instagram. And uh, you sent me something about Harry Kane. And I I told you a very profound hot take statement. And that was Harry Kane will never be the best striker in the world. But let me rephrase that. So it sounds a little bit better for Harry Kane, because it's not because he plays bad. Harry Kane's awesome seasons have always been topped by someone else, by at least one or two other people. And it's kind of a bummer. And and I think what it creates is, and even this season, you had to remind the people he still scored 30 goals, right? It's just because Holland's running away with it. No one's talking about Harry Kane and how consistent he's been. And I mean, man, I hate sucking the dick of a Spurs player, but Harry Kane is fantastic. And he always will be, but he'll never be the best striker in the world. No, it, it seems like it, it points he can't even be the best striker in the prep. Yeah, I know you're exactly right, especially this season. He was definitely hot and cold. Yeah, for sure. But let's talk about this. One of my favorite players, um, on honestly, one of my favorite teams to watch this season, Newcastle. They've offered Bruno Guimaraes 200,000 pounds a week to stay in Newcastle with all these wow. rumors swirling uh, with Barcelona and Liverpool linked to him, I really want Guimaraes to stay with Newcastle because what we saw from him this year and what we saw from that team as a result of his performances was nothing short of fantastic. Yeah, I, I would too. But um, if I was Gumieris, I, I, I definitely, you know, Barcelona and Liverpool don't sound too bad. It's just kind of a, 
you got to break the stigma at Newcastle of players leaving, and uh, he could be the one to do it, I think. Certainly. And it looks like Vlahovic uh, of Juventus, obviously, has been quite, quite a target for teams. Obviously, Chelsea has shown some interest, but as well as that, Bayern and Man United have emerged as competitors. Yeah, Bayern and Man United can have him. I want Ozzyman. Right, Give me enough. Victor Ozzyman, please. <laughs> And then uh, we've got Newcastle and Spurs battling it out for two Leicester players, James Madison and Harvey Barnes. I think that, you know, if Newcastle loses Gimaraj, I think the James Madison could be a good pickup. Yeah, no, that's a very good point there. Of course, they're they're kind of different players, but James Madison is an amazing, you know, center midfielder or even a winger if you need him to be. Yeah. Um, and he was actually a player that um, I didn't realize, but a couple weeks ago we talked about, you know, the possibility of Jamie Vardy going down to the championship. I totally forgot about James Madison, who is may not be as big of a name as Vardy, but a thousand times better than Jamie Vardy. I, uh, ow. He um, definitely needs to get out of there. <laughs> Jump ship. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Harvey Barnes, a little bit more of like a rotational player if he does leave. Uh, but it looks like teams want him to stay in the Premier League. Yes. And then the the biggest news probably that we've seen so far, uh, Karim Benzema will join all Itihad of the Saudi League on a free transfer when his contract expires this month, and he will receive a two-year, 400 million euro contract. Uh, I hate it. Move somewhere we can watch you, man. It's already hard enough to have to rely on one or two, you know, posts a week from my Instagram feed about how Ronaldo's doing over there. I, I don't want to see it happen to more players. Yeah, well, it could happen to Luka Modric as well. Looks like he's receiving some serious interest from some Saudi clubs as well. So, it, this sucks, man. But, you know, the thing is, is like, Real Madrid gets nothing out of this because he's leaving on a free transfer too. So, like... Just the legacy that Kareem Benzema will leave behind uh, will leave you behind with no cash. Yeah, and, you know, on top of this is I've I've even heard that, you know, Vinicius Jr. could be on his way out. And for for him, it's a little bit more of like a sad reason because uh, he seems to be the complete brunt of attack of this complete dumbass racist over there in Spain. And uh, I, I've never actually heard of this in my entire life, but... Vinicius Jr. could be the biggest player to leave his team or the league because of racism. It's absolutely, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That has been probably the driving thing that I've heard with transfer rumors regarding uh, Vinicius Jr. And it's just complete bullshit. And I, I wish La Liga would do something about it. Yeah, it, it kind of is similar to Kalidou uh, Koulibaly's departure from Italy. He was facing tons and tons of racism when he played in Italy. And I think that was a driving force of him coming to the Prem. So, you know, I don't think it's unprecedented to to leave a country when it's obvious that the fans there are just treating you like absolute shit and acting like absolute pieces of shit. But I, I honestly yeah. wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame him either. I mean, you know, and go even further. I know Vinicius is a young guy, but, you know, if he has family in Spain, you got to protect them too. Because, you know, sometimes... 
sometimes those fans over there can get a little bit too serious into, you know, how they affect players' lives. But uh, anyway, back to the point, you know, I have really only heard of big players leaving Madrid. No, no big players really coming into Madrid. Yeah, the only one that's really been rumored is like Jude Bellingham. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we're seeing here Modric, uh, Benzema, and then what I've heard is Vinicius. That's uh that's pretty brutal three players to lose. Yeah, I and mean, it looks they're, like they're Marco fantastic. Looks like Marco Asensio as well could be on his way out. Yes. Yep, him as well. But let's talk about Neymar. Apparently he's eyeing a move to the Prem. Reportedly he's not gonna leave PSG unless he's heading to Man United. Oh, I hey, Todd Bowley. Neymar had that meeting. All I gotta say, <laughs> we'll see, man. But yeah, we'll see. I, I don't see Neymar leaving. As much as I want him in the prem, I don't see him leaving just yet. Really? I yeah. I think he's a big player that is like a hundred percenter. He leaves. I, I really can't see him staying with PSG. Yeah, I, I guess like especially if if Messi and Mbappe leave, I could definitely see him leaving as well. Yep. Um, because, you know, originally it kind of was Neymar's team. When he got there, he was the guy. And yeah. he's definitely been outshadowed in his time there. But uh, I have a feeling if both of those two guys leave, he'll probably head out as well. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, it looks like Messi will be leaving PSG this summer transfer window. So uh, I believe it was confirmed by a coach at PSG that Messi will be leaving. And there's this interesting rumor going around that Barcelona is trying to pull this wild deal that would have Messi transfer to MLS club Inter Miami, and then they would send him on loan to Barcelona. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I, I really can't. This seems so like far-fetched. Yeah, it does. But just the idea of what Messi would look like in the MLS, I mean, he would sell out every stadium he went to. Oh, easily. yeah. And that's, yeah. um, I would love it if uh, Messi came to America. I would, but, you know, he would transfer there and then go on loan to Barcelona for a year. Yeah, so. exactly. Yep. Um, That would be interesting. But looks like somebody is getting some attention across Europe, Liverpool, Man United, Barcelona, and Inter, all eyeing Frenchman Benjamin Pavard amid rumors of his requested transfer out of Bayern Munich. I like Inter here. I do as well, but I think that Benjamin Pavard is becoming uh, quite the name that yep. he could end up joining like Liverpool or Man U. I don't like Liverpool as much just because... They already kind of have like a, a very good defense. Uh, but adding him to Manchester United, I think, would be a good move. Yeah, I like Manchester United as well. Um, I just said enter because I know Prevard is like um, another like, you know, model wingback. If you're someone who wants to learn how to play wingback, he's a guy you should watch. Um, phenomenal at attacking, crossing, defending. He can kind of do it all. And enter like that position. So who knows? That is true. He would fit well. Uh, it looks like Arsenal and Bayern are the front runners for West Ham midfielder Declan Rice. Uh, Manchester United and Chelsea have shown interest as well. But um, I've also heard City as a possible landing spot. So Declan Rice looks like he could be on the move. I like this one. 
Um, definitely needs to get out of there sooner rather than later. And um, I hate to say that, but you know, just the way that it kind of works. Um, yeah, Declan Rice is uh, he needs his flowers, and he's only going to get his flowers if he joins a bigger team. So yeah, exactly. He deserves to be on a team that's playing for something. Yes, exactly. Uh, it looks like Manchester United are not making uh, Wout Weghorst or Mar- uh, Marcel Sabitzer's loans permanent. Uh, they will return to Burnley and Bayern, respectively. Do you think they're going to regret either of these? I think they're going to regret both of them, honestly. Okay. Um, of course, I, I've kind of been on the side of if Manchester United had Rashford with a better player than Weghorst, they would probably be a lot more dangerous. Maybe. Harry Kane, we just kind of talked about that. But more and more that I kind of looked at the the bigger picture, Eichhorst is was kind of like the perfect center forward there. You know, he drew a lot of pressure off of Rashford in that attack, and I think he played really well. And Sabitzer, you know, kudos to him coming in January, mid-season, and he looked really good with United. So, yeah, I think Manchester United are going to end up regretting both of these, but they also have the money, and it seems like the will to want to go out and get bigger at both of these positions. So who knows what will happen. Yeah, we'll just have to see you know, how this transfer window goes for Man U, but it appears just you know, off the rumors, which you know, only some of these are really going to come true, but it appears the Manchester United are eyeing some big talent. Yeah, for sure. I think they're tired of just, you know, mediocrity yeah i mean when you it's go weir- it's weird to like say mediocrity it's weird to say mediocrity when you're finishing in you know top four top six consistently but for manchester yeah. united it is yeah i mean compared to the sir alex days they're they're really nothing <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think um the signing of casemiro has really kind of unlocked like a new a new a new transfer window um idea as in like a way to progress to the transfer window for united so um yeah they're going to go big this transfer window i think yeah and it looks like brighton may have one of the first confirmed deals that will happen looks like they're going to try and get dortmund's mahmoud dahoud in midfield um i think this is a great pickup you know brighton's just going to need to add depth to this team and i think dahoud played you know pretty well for dortmund but you know, I liked what midfield they were kind of throwing out there um, throughout this season. You know, I, I liked, you know, obviously Alexis McAllister, who's been linked to a bunch of teams. Uh, Iari is pretty good. Um, I believe Solly March as well uh, in the midfield has been very good. So obviously this addition just adds depth, and that's a big part of it. Um, so I'm happy to see Brighton at least being active. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, kind of one of those teams where – you wouldn't expect a team like Brighton to be active, but it's a team that needs to be active. They um, need to keep players rather than lose players. And if they're going to lose players, you got to bring in new players. And that's kind of what it seems like they're going to plan to do. Yeah. And I think that's the right way to go about it. Uh, but while we're speaking of Brighton, looks like Liverpool is eyeing Brighton's Alexis McAllister, obviously world cup winner with Argentina. Um, he's going to be a hot commodity this summer. For sure. Um, definitely a guy that I could see more than just Liverpool eyeballing him, for sure. Yeah, and uh, just to round it off, um, newly announced, you know, recently announced U.S. men's national team player, Falaire and Balogun, is looking to leave Arsenal on a permanent move after he returns from loan 
uh, from his loan to Stud Rems. Uh, I believe he'll return next week. So I don't know where he could end up. He could really go a lot of places. It looks like Leipzig uh, might be in there. Uh, I've seen, I believe, Borussia Bunch and Gladbach as well. Uh, and maybe a team in Italy. I can't quite remember. Yeah, the Bundesliga loves their American players. They do. Kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, they've had we've had a lot of Americans over there that have played, you know, very well for their teams. So, yeah, the Bundesliga, if you're American, probably not a bad place. Yeah, certainly. And I love what Falaren Balligan kind of offers, you know, as a player. He is so fucking good. And I would love to see him just go and shine somewhere. Sure, um, and he's not going to do that at what? What did you say? Stad Rims? Yeah, the team that I said I don't want to watch. <laughs> exactly, but uh, he's a guy that can get noticed in the Bundesliga for sure. Definitely, um, I think that's going to do it. Any other transfer rumors you've seen? No, man. I, I just want to get into this. Do you remember? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. let's do it. I'll let you start because you said you had quite quite the do you remember. But mine's pretty long. I kind of okay. wanted to go last. Okay, I'll go ahead and go. All right. Mine's definitely not too long, so let me just go ahead and set the scene. It's 2013, December 22nd. It's a Sunday afternoon, Charlotte, North Carolina. A little bit cloudy skies. Week 13, Saints versus Panthers. The rain is moving in quickly, and it starts pouring sometime in the first quarter. That really slowed down the Saints' pass game early, and it was Luke Keekley's time to shine in this cloudy weather Runs and checkdowns all game from Drew Brees, and Keekley was having his way. <laughs> Listen to this stat line. 24 total tackles. Oh nine, <laughs> nine solo tackles and an interception. Damn. Yeah. It, it doesn't get much better for a middle linebacker there. No, and it, and it just is even more to this defensive performance that the guy right next to him, Thomas Davis Sr., he had 15 total tackles, nine solo tackles, and an interception. Oh, my God. Absolutely insane. But this game also clinched a playoff berth for the first time for the Panthers since 2008. And then, you know, obviously two years down the road, they're in a Super Bowl. Yeah, with Cam Newton as MVP. Yes, sir. Uh, Cam actually uh, threw the game-winning touchdown in this one. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a game. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. That's insane. You said 24 total tackles and a pick? Yes. (laughs) Bro. Dude, I'm telling you, checkdowns to, I believe it was Darren Sproles. Oh, wow. Just Luke Keekley was all over him. It, It was crazy. Yeah, people forget how good Luke Keekley actually was. But um, Yeah. Grayson. Do you remember Petter Check's 04 to 05 season? You don't. No. I don't either. I was one, we're, I was we're about one, to, one and two years old. <laughs> we're about to talk about it, though. All right. This is going to blow your mind away. Like, this is this is completely ridiculous. In in that season, Petter Check logged 35 games in the Premier League. He conceded only 13 goals in 35 games. Holy shit. And, 24 clean sheets. Wow. Yes. In his 11 seasons at Chelsea, Petrček saw 1,241 shots. He saved 1,000 of those, only conceding 241 goals. 
Holy shit. We're, we're not done. <laughs> In his entire career, he has played 906 games. I think this is only Premier League. It could be for the Czech Republic, but I think it's only Premier League. In 906 games, Grayson, 397 clean sheets. Four Premier League titles, five FA Cup titles, three League Cups, one Champions League, one Europa League. He's a four-time Premier League Golden Glove winner. He has the most clean sheets in Premier League history, most clean sheets in a Premier League season with that 24, and the most Golden Glove awards in PL history with that, um, I think he has four. Wow. That is Petr Cech's career. Holy shit. And to be honest, I didn't even realize it was that good. And I grew up with him. That is absolutely insane. And arguably um, the best goalkeeper to have headwear over Lev Yashin. Yeah. Oh, you're exactly right. Um, the, um, the injury that Petr Cech actually uh, acquired uh, to get that um, – at headgear for the rest of his life is actually brutal. You can it go really and watch is. it. It, oh, it almost killed him. It almost killed him. Yeah. And then he went on to have a career like that. I mean, I, I just can't believe some of these accolades. I, I I did not realize he was that good. And like I said, I grew up watching him. It, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, it, it really is. But, yeah, just such a fucking baller. Like, what, you said he had 24 clean sheets in that season? In 0405. Yeah. David De Gea won the Golden Golden Gloves this year with 17. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, wow, that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's the one I've been saving for you for a couple weeks was the Petr Cech one. <laughs> I'm glad because that was fantastic. Thank you. Well, Luke, I think that's going to do it. This was this went by very quickly. I don't really understand how. We had a, we talked about a lot. It's because we didn't have a crime segment in the NFL news, man. I guess it is. Yeah, the NFL news. We almost had a terrorism segment, but we, we almost we, we made sure to shut that down pretty fast. Yeah, if Bobachet played in New York, it would have been a different story. <laughs> you even remember what it was? That's hilarious. Oh, of course. <laughs> but oh man, yeah, I I think that's gonna do it for us. You, you have anything to leave for the people? Um. No, I really don't. I think we're. Uh, I usually never have anything to leave for the people. One of these days, I will. Next episode. All right. Actually, you know what? I got a quiz for you, just to end it off. Oh, perfect! I love quizzes. This one's NFL. All right. There's four. There's four teams with the longest droughts without winning their division. Can you name at least the top two? Cardinals. No. Without winning their division. Yes. Oh, Cleveland. Yes, Cleveland is number one, 33 seasons. Wow. Um, is it a uh, AFC or an a, a NFC team? Uh, NFC. Oh, Bears. Nope. Ooh. Um, is it an obvious one? You just said a team in their division. The, oh, yeah, the Lions. <laughs> yeah, That's they've a, gone yeah. 29 seasons. You think you can name the other two? They're tied at 20. At twenty, yep, both <clears throat> AFC, both AFC teams. Okay, <sighs> let's see here. Um, it wouldn't be. I don't think it's anybody in the AFC South because the Titans, Texans, 
it, is it the Jaguars? Nope. They won it yeah. this past year. Oh, they ended up okay, that's right, that's right. <laughs> um I'm probably gonna take too long. What what's one of them? One of them is the Jets. Twenty seasons. Okay. Jets. Please. Nah, go ahead and tell me. It's the Raiders. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. This makes sense. Now we're getting out of here. And yep. before we do, though, you listening right now, I'm not going to go through this whole thing again, but you that is listening, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you more if you're following on all of our social media platforms, following us on Apple Music or, or Apple Podcasts, whatever, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, follow us. Make sure you download the episodes. Makes us look good. And make sure you're reviewing the episodes because make us feel good. Appease me by reviewing those episodes because I love to look at them. But make sure you're sharing it with your friends. Just tell a friend. Tell a friend to give us a listen. Share yeah, the joy. Go ahead. Sorry, share the joy that you get from listening to Second and Short with the ones you love the most. I like it. Luke, well said. let's get the fuck out of here, man. Let's do it. All right, peace. Peace.